0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW approved. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Welcome to part two of our weekend mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at a jet one And I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal. Mr. Chris Nimbly, as we jump right back into the mailbag with Stephen Schiffenhaus. And Stephen says, seems like a long time ago, but people were wondering if Jamal Adams was irritating the brass with being the unofficial GM, advocating for dogs, (laughs) pushing for certain players and coaches, tackling a mascot, but it sure looks lately like they are embracing him the same way the fan base is. What are your thoughts on this? P.S. Justice for Pauly. Damn right (laughs) justice for Pauly. Let's get Pauly a jersey. Hashtag Send Paulie a jersey. As far as Jamal Adams. It's impossible not to love this guy Right now now we'll see what happens if the Jets Are losing and Adams starts making Irritating comments or starts Getting dumb penalties if you remember his rookie Year against Carolina he ended up Doing something silly that got them a penalty And it ended up not being a big deal but if it Ends up costing them yards then Maybe fans will change but right now The guy is a great player and he's So great with the fan base you heard the Story the other day where he was doing one of those Appearances at one of these stores and they told Him he can't sign jerseys and he he said, "No, that's BS." After this event is over, I'll walk outside the store. You guys come with me, and I will sign every single jersey until everybody got their jersey signed. And he did it. And I don't see how you don't love a guy like that. And if your management at the moment, he's playing great, and he helped with the Le'Veon Bell chase. So I'm sure they're happy with him. But again. We'll see what happens when it's time for a new contract, for starters. But we'll also see what happens if the Jets are losing and if some sort of complaints start to happen or if there's strife in the locker room. But as of right now, if you're management, if you're the coaching staff, if you're a fan, if you have any involvement or any emotional investment in the New York Jets, I have no idea how you wouldn't love Jamal Adams.
2: I remember what he's talking about, though, when he did recruiting stuff. And I remember people talking about, you know, acting like the Cagnan and the Jets brass wouldn't like it, and I was I was so confused and perplexed by it. They they want, of course, they want them. Now it would have looked bad if he did all this stuff publicly, and they ended up not being able to get anyone. Obviously, that could have backfired on them. But they, there's no way that anybody in that building was like, man, we would just want Jamal to shut up. You look at this team. You look at look at what they did with the jerseys bringing the players out there. There's two faces of this franchise right now, and one of them is Sam Darnold because the quarterback is always going to be the face of the franchise, you know, as long as you got a semi-confident one there. So they want him to be, but Sam is not the vocal guy. You got Jamal on the other side being the vocal leader, being outspoken, and the thing is, Jamal, if Jamal will say some things every once in a while that might cause a little bit of a, should he have said that but it's not going to be anything really controversial nothing that's going to really get him in trouble he he he's a seasoned pro at this he knows what he's doing uh, you know he's not going to really step in it with anything he says and he can be out there his energy is infectious there's he, he gets it when it comes to dealing with fans and uh you know going above and beyond. Trying to make sure that everybody feels like you know they're treated right and well, and got to really experience meeting like a player who cares. He's going to take those extra steps and go They they want him out there. They want him doing that thing. Whatever. It was. I don't even know what it was. I saw on Twitter the other day with him and all those kids dancing around. It looked <laughs> like it was in Josie City. Like uh, I I don't even. I have no idea what that was. They want him doing that. That they, they love that. That's awesome. He's out there having fun. He's not hurting anybody. He's not you know doing push-ups in his driveway. Being, he's not being loud that way. He's just out there living life and having fun and being genuine in what he is and what he does. And that that's him. That's genuinely him. They want him out there doing that.
3: If I may quote Slick Rick, who is later covered by Snoop Dogg, lodi Doty, he likes to party. He don't cause trouble. He don't bother nobody, right?
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> I bet you didn't think I had that in me, did you, Chris? I, I, was, like,
2: I was like, where is he going? <laughs> slick Rick? Well, okay. I, I respect it, though.
3: I surprise people from time to time I surprise people just like Robbie Anderson surprises people and he's the subject of our next question from Prepare for Disappointment he says Robbie Anderson has been featured quite a bit in the uniform launch and the subsequent media blitz by the Jets two questions does this suggest he's not actively looking for tenders and also does it suggest an increased level of trust in the player from the team the second part of that I would say yes I think that they definitely trust him a lot more than they probably probably did a year ago when the allegations were coming out and things were a little sketchy. I think they believe in him a lot more. I do think that they see him as a big part of their future. Adam Gase has talked a lot about him. He's talked about wanting to work with Gase, and I think McCagnin really likes him as well. I think he could do really nice things with Darnold as Darnold continues to develop as far as him not seeking out tenders. I guess that's one of those things we're going to find out soon enough if teams come calling. It could be that the second-round tender, combined with what everybody assumes will be the asking price, is scaring teams off. I'm curious to see if he plays on the single-season tender. I think that's probably what happens. Or the Jets could put a deal in place now and get him locked up. Either way, I would be very surprised if he's not a member of the New York Jets in 2019.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And here's the thing. No one's going to really look into signing him on that tender right now. Uh, If a team is going to make that run, it would be after the draft, and and they weren't able to get one of the receivers they liked. Um, Or let's say maybe Kansas City doesn't go in and doesn't, uh, you know, address the receiver enough, and then something happens with Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, all the stuff that was going on there. We won't get into it, but... if something happens there and he can't play, then maybe Kansas City would go ahead and try to make a run at him to do that along those lines. But, and it's, it's similar with uh, Leonard Williams, too. They trotted to him both those players out there for that rebrand. They're not doing that just to go ahead and trade them at this offseason. Now, I'm not saying they, they're completely off the table. Somebody's going to offer a, a couple first-round picks for them, and then they'd probably be gone, but they're not just going to take something just for some any any old reason. There, we're not talking about Darren Lee, who is conspicuously absent from the thing, even though he was the one that really was pushing this trend the most. So, uh, they they want both these players here, and I'm with you. If I'm looking, and this is this isn't specific to Robbie Anderson. This is just my philosophy with these players pay him earlier you pay him earlier you're gonna have to give him less money more often than not you can get Robbie cheaper right now than you can get him if he goes and he has a really good solid season with Sam Darnold and then next year it'll cost you more money if you trust him you trust that he's matured he will stay out of trouble and I do I trust him enough there I know that he has definitely taken strides in maturity if you trust that and then you see what they do Go ahead and pay them now. You can get them cheaper than it'll cost you next year. I would go ahead and do that and just lock them up. Get, get, give them that Sterling Shepard contract. They can easily afford it going forward. And then you got a receiver to grow with Sam Darnold.
3: And I think you could probably put some sort of clause in the deal that would yeah. void it if he gets into trouble with the law, obviously. Yeah.
0: Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: Laundry? oh a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
3: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Next question comes in from Michael Christopher, although it's kind of half soliloquy, half question. He says, connections are important in the NFL. During Mac's time, he has traded with the Colts, the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Browns, and the Vikings and Rams. Taking this into consideration, do you see any of these teams wanting Darren Lee and our third pick to get back into the second round? You could also throw in a huge wild card involving the most explosive player in the draft, who you talked about, Chris Marquise Brown, who I think will go a lot higher than people expect. He could be Deshaun Jackson 2.0 and Donald's best friend. Another question, if the Jets do trade back, which player would you draft if they were on the board? I'm a big Andre Dillard guy. I think he's the best pass blocker in the class. What about Jonah Williams, who's versatile? Also, Greedy Williams and Brian Burns both fill big needs. This would be if the Jets move back The top 10 so let's digest All this because there's a lot The first thing with Darren Lee It really depends on who wants him I could see somebody wanting him Only because he's still young He's got some upside and He only counts for 1.8 million Dollars against the cap this year so maybe Somebody figures get him in here You could use his athleticism try and Teach him some stuff and maybe get a useful piece Maybe they could use him to move Up from the third to the second maybe They flip him for a late round pick Could be any of that. It really depends, like you said... Mac has connections to the teams you listed So maybe there's some sort of deal that comes From using Darren Lee for A trade up but it could also be a late Round pick I would be fairly surprised If he isn't moved though given All the chatter and the fact that he took All mention of the Jets off of his Social media which with a normal person You might not read too much into But it's Darren Lee so you probably should read Something into it as far as Marquise Brown Chris talked about What he thinks of Marquise Brown He's a guy that has his limitations but obviously an explosive player so that could be an interesting one if they do end up getting into the second round and if they trade down into the first round I already talked about Jawan Taylor and Brian Burns Dillard would certainly be a possibility I don't love Jonah Williams as much as some other people I just think he's limited in terms of upside I think he'll be a good offensive lineman but probably not going to be a great one would I hate it if they got him at 15 absolutely not because at 15 if you can get a good offensive lineman who can start for a significant amount of time that's absolutely good value and you talked about Greedy Williams listen i'm not super high on him but again if you trade it down to 15 or so i wouldn't hate it
2: yeah i'll, I'll go backwards there if if i'm looking at uh you know a cornerback there i like Greedy Williams but also you know Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker probably uh the guy from Georgia um You know, and again, I'm going to keep saying this, and I know people will sit there and keep uh, We got Chris Hearn, and we don't need another tight end, but give me TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant. Let me have both. Let me have two tight ends like that. Let me have Herndon and one of those guys. Let me get somebody who can help as a blocker and a receiver. He will help the offensive line. He will also help Sam Darnold. He will also help the other receivers and Le'Veon Bell blocking downfield. I'm good with a player like that, with players like that. Uh, you know, Andre Dillard, Jonah Williams fit fine too. Then uh, Brian Burns as well. Um, yeah, and then with those teams that he listed about Darren Lee, the the best if you want to maximize what you can get out of Darren Lee, I think the best bet would be to offer him as some type of pet pa- and some type of package. Whether it's you trade down and you throw in Darren Lee to get a little bit more out of it, or if you're trying to trade back up into the second, and maybe you give like you know a fourth and a Darren Lee uh, as part of it, or a third and Darren one of the thirds Darren Lee then. That is something, if you're just trading Darren Lee straight up for a draft pick, I can't imagine it's anything more than a fifth, probably a sixth. Um, and I agree with you, it it feels like he knows and he's expecting to be gone from here. It feels like they're, they've just decided, we've talked about this a lot over the past, neither of us would trade him for a sixth round pick right now. But it it doesn't feel like Greg Williams and the Jets feel the same right now. Feels like the Jets are just kind of like we we'll just give us whatever. We'll take something. We just, just get them out of here. That's what it feels like, and we can argue whatever. But we see this all the time in the NFL. You know, when new coaching staff comes in and they just want to move on from players, obviously signing C.J. Mosley, there's not a huge need for him here. So just they probably just want to get rid of him. But I think if you want to maximize your return on him, you include him in some type of package, either as part of a trade down or trading back up.
3: I should add that I really like Hawkinson, too, so that's a guy that I would target in a trade down and if they trade down within the top ten, then I would really be looking at Jawan Taylor and even Ed yeah. Oliver as possibilities there. yeah
2: well oh, that's that's something I was gonna say too with you know uh earlier, I forgot to mention it trade down, and obviously Quinn and Williams, I know you you like him a lot more uh but trade down and or stay and take Quentin Williams. Or trade down and take Ed Oliver and, you know, three extra draft picks. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I'm going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted there. And then uh, I forgot to answer about his – I talked about Marquise Brown earlier. But I really do – I like Marquise Brown. But, again, wide receivers, everyone feels differently about certain receivers – and I, there's, this receiver class is so deep that there's gonna. I'd I'd rather have Debo Samuel. I'd I'd rather have DK Metcalf. There's other receivers who I feel now. DK Manuel, Metcalf isn't a complete receiver. I've talked about this before, but he's so big and so fast that he doesn't need to be. Hollywood Brown is super fast, but he's small. Uh, that doesn't mean he's gonna be. He's not going to be great. I think he can be, but he's going to be more limited. I, I'd rather take uh, a bunch of other receivers before Marquise Brown, even though I think Marquise Brown's going to be really good. But this is a super deep draft class at receiver.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says Adam Gase says that the Jets are going to stay in the 3 4, but Greg Williams has typically run 4 3 bases. So. If two quarterbacks go first and second, say the 49ers trade out and Kyler Murray goes number one and the Jets are faced with the question of picking Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams, who would you pick and why do you think that the 3-4-4-3 thing would factor into that at all? I would take Quinnen Williams. I've explained why a bunch of times, so I'm not going to get into it again, but... I don't think the 4-3, 3-4 thing factors in at all, really, in that case, because I think both guys can play in either. I think with Allen, it factors in a little bit more because I think that Allen isn't as effective in a 4-3 as he is in a 3-4. So if the long-term plan is to move to a 4-3, I'd be a little more nervous about Allen. But as far as Williams and Bosa go, I wouldn't be worried about either one of them playing in a 3-4 or a 4-3.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I can pretty much just say ditto for what you said there. Um, you know, Quinn and Williams and Bosa, I, I feel good about them playing in either. Um, and Quinn and Williams, you know, you can line them up at any part of the, the uh, defensive line. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. He can play just about anywhere. So um, it, it doesn't matter. And also, again, i uh, keep talking about this base nickel in the NFL base defense in the NFL is really a nickel now uh, we need to start talking about it more along those lines teams basically play mostly nickel now more than 3-4 four, or 4-3 four, so that matters less and less as football continues to progress into more of a passing sport more and more
3: this one comes in from New York underdog he says what would be the minimum you would take to go to 6 to 10 or to 15 If you're going to 15, unless the Redskins are giving you like six second rounders or something like that, I'm exaggerating, but it would have to be some crazy amount of picks. I would want a number one next year as at least a starting point, and then I would want a bunch of other picks too. As far as the number six pick with the Giants, I wouldn't trade down to that. I've talked about this before, but if I was going to, I would say I'd need at least a second and a third to make that move. And for the 10th pick, that's a tough one. I would try to get next year's first rounder, but more than likely, I would take maybe a second this year, a second next year, and a third this year, something like that. But I'd really have to sit down and map this out with the trade chart, but off the top of my head, that's what I would say. But again, my own personal opinion is that I'm not moving off of that number three pick unless I'm blown away.
2: I'm not, I have the trade chart right here. Me, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and do all the calculations here. And I'm going to take you guys through a whole math le- lesson here. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I brought this up largely because of uh, you know the Belichick comments he made the other day about teams mostly working on the same draft chart, which obviously spurred a bunch of uh, jokes about Belichick saying that because he's working with a different draft chart than everybody else. Um, but the, new, the, the newest uh, draft chart right now has the Jets' third, pick, third overall pick with a value of 2,200 points. And then it, to drop down to the Giants at six is just 1,600 points. So that's just a 600-point difference. Giants' second-round pick at 37th overall is 530 points. So just on the draft ch- chart value – Just dropping down two to six would get you, like, a a second-round pick, and then probably, like, a fourth-round pick would would work it out. Um, Now, I would want more, for sure. Um, You know, try to get a second and a third. The Giants have a whole bunch of picks, so you could probably do something like that. Uh, You're going to, obviously, ask for more if you try to drop down to 10 or 11 Denver at ten is thirteen hundred. Cincinnati's twelve fifty. Washington is ten fifty, which is you know almost a thousand points less. So then you could ask for a lot more. That's why I'm saying with Washington, you might be able to get a first round pick in return next year. That's the most likely case there. I'm if I'm looking to trade down, I'm looking for two seconds and a third at minimum. Uh, you know, probably a second and a third this year and then a second or a third next year, something along those lines. Uh, I'd take a little bit less with the Giants, uh, especially if feeling out how the draft board might fall. But um, I'm looking for three extra picks, dropping that first and then three additional picks on top of that is what I'm looking at, depending on, you know, if there's a force then you can uh, around next year, you can get more but that's what I'd be looking at is three additional picks within the first three rounds
0: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
3: And if you got those additional picks, you might be able to use them in a trade, which is what John wants to know about. He says, there's talk that Jadavian Clowney and Frank Clark could be available in trades. What do you think it would take to get them? How far would you go as far as money and draft pick compensation? Here's what I would say. I think this is kind of interesting because, and I talked about this with D. Ford, the fact that the Chiefs dealt him for a second rounder next year And that he only got $33 million guaranteed and that he could basically be waived after the first year is really interesting to me. I wonder why the Jets didn't get in on that. As far as Clowney and Clark, I think they're both right in that ballpark with Ford for a variety of different reasons. Clowney's probably the better all-around player because he's a really good run defender. But he's been a disappointment as a pass rusher. He's just been an okay pass rusher. I know he's got nine, nine and a half sacks. But he hasn't been anything close to what they expected. There were comparisons to Lawrence Taylor when he was coming out of college. And he hasn't come anywhere close to that. He hasn't been anywhere near as good as J.J. Watt. I know that's a high bar, but still a lot was expected of him. He's a very good player. I would say he's kind of the Leonard Williams of the Houston Texans. Yes. He hasn't lived up to what everybody hoped he would be, but he's a very good player. The thing is, if you get him, you're going to have to pay him elite money. The same thing with Frank Clark. And I'll say this again... While Clowney might be a better all-around player, Clark, I think, is a much better pass rusher, which is a better fit for what the Jets need. There's obviously off-the-field issues with Clark, although since he's been in the NFL, by all accounts, he's been very well-behaved. But obviously, we know he was dismissed from Michigan because of what happened with that domestic violence incident. We know that Mike McKagan doesn't typically go after guys like that. But let's put that aside for this theoretical I think that you would have a starting point of what the Chiefs got for Ford. So a number two next year, which would be the equivalent of a number three this year, which with the Jets would be almost a low second rounder because they picked so early in the third round. Might take a little bit more than that. I would be willing to give up for either one of the two of them this year's three or next year's two. And an extra draft pick So maybe a third this year And a fourth next year That could become a third If whichever player has double digit sacks Or maybe I would give up a two next year and a fourth next year that could become Something and then maybe you feel a little Bit better about trading down Either way I would definitely Call the Texans and I would call The Seattle Seahawks and I would see what it Would take to get one of these guys it Depends on what Mike McCagnon thinks About Frank Clark but I think he's absolutely One of the best pure pass rushers in the League it would be a huge addition for the Jets And while Clowney's not as good of a pass Rusher he's still young and has that Tremendous athleticism so It's worth a gamble at that price again you're going to have to pay either one of these guys 20 million dollars a year per and at least 33 million like ford got probably more than that you're probably looking at giving up about 40 million in guaranteed money the jets are in position where they have the money that they can do that and i think that they should if they're able to get a deal done for a decent price and that is around where i would think that this would fall as far as draft compensation and monetary compensation
2: yeah, and look, it just obviously D Ford is with San Francisco, so he's not an option, but talking about these three players, Jadavian Clowney is the best of all those three players as an all-around player, like you said, but his, his strength is more at the run game. Then you also have injury issues and concerns with him as well. But, you know, and it's, it's just selfishly, please don't get J. Davian Clowney because I don't want to have to argue about him and Leo for the <laughs> same exact reasons. I don't I don't want to have to make those arguments where everyone's like he's not going to solve your past rushing issues. Him alone isn't going to do it. Um, so to. Go ahead and make a huge move like that. Please don't subject me to that. It'll help improve the team. Uh, if But if you're looking to just solve and address that edge player, Frank Clark is the way to go there. Now, will that go? And, you know, would Mac do that with his history? Like you said, he has, has stayed out of trouble since he's been in the league. So, I you know, we don't know. We haven't seen anything along those lines there. One thing I will say and point out, though, uh i think part of the reason why d ford uh only went for what he went for the chiefs were switching their defense from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and didn't feel that d ford was going to fit with what they were doing so they really were just looking to get rid of him at that point where i don't i don't think you can get frank clark and uh or judevin clowney for the same price tag i think that's going to go up the teams are going to be Looking to hold on to them more Now with Clark though it'll be interesting Like Because if they go and they sign Russell Wilson Then they might all of a sudden have feel like They have to move Frank Clark more um, You know and there's been all the talk Recently about Russell Wilson And his contract and he gave them a deadline And this and that the Seahawks absolutely should pay him. Uh, so if they're looking and they're saying, okay, well, we can't afford to sign Frank Clark and pay for Russell Wilson, then maybe you can get him a little cheaper. But then, you know, he he's the best option to solve the pass rusher in that scenario. It's just a question of if McKagan would actually do it, and I'm still skeptical. But I, I think that you'd have to, uh, you know, pony up more. Than what the the Chiefs got for D Ford, but I'm with you. You could give a, up, you know, a third this year, and then the, you know, a fourth or a third conditional next next year, or a third and second conditional. It's worth it. Uh, he he's that good of a player. You're gonna have to pay him the contract too. So, it, but again, you'd be taking advantage of the fact that the Seahawks would really only probably be trying to move him because they need to to be able to pay Russell Wilson.
3: Yeah, and that's a similar situation with Houston where they have some players to pay. They can keep Clowney, but it's going to be kind of difficult. So both teams are in that position where they have other players to pay. And with Clowney, it's kind of one of those things where the Texans are disappointed in the fact that he hasn't turned into the elite player that they were expecting him to turn into. And so maybe they're ready to cut bait Rather than pay him all of that money that he's going to want as an elite level player. Different situation with Frank Clark, but same in the sense that Seattle has a lot of players to pay. And they may realize that they can't pay them all. There were reports coming out of Seattle that Clark could be available for something similar To what the Chiefs got for D. Ford. That would at least be the starting point. So I would call and inquire. And I would certainly be willing to offer. What the Chiefs got for D. Ford. If I had to go a little bit higher than that. I would. And I would probably do the same for Clowney. I would prefer Clark. But I think that while Clowney in and of himself. Doesn't give them that elite edge rusher. That they're looking for. He certainly gives them a much better one. Than what they've got. And it would improve their sack production. And I think if you put him with somebody like Leo Williams and Quinnen Williams Williams, or Bosa or Allen, or if they trade down and got Brian Burns, you could be on the verge of building something in terms of the pass rush. So I definitely think that if you can make it happen with either one of those guys, you got the cap space, try and get it done. Like I said, though, I'd prefer Clark over Clowney, but I would be willing to take either one of them for the right price.
0: Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic
3: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Sue, just Sue, which is like Bond, James Bond. (laughs) No, Sue, I expect you to die. Sorry, I don't really expect you. It's a joke. It's a James Bond joke, Sue. Don't get mad and turn off the podcast. She says, My question is simple. Who will be on the offensive line in 2019 protecting a QB whose brand new NFL career depends on it? I think they may draft somebody in the first round if they trade down. They may draft somebody in the middle rounds, but I think as of right now... The guys they got are the guys that are going to be starting on that offensive line. So Harrison at center, you're looking at the two tackles, Beecham and Shell, and at guard, Assimile and Winters. And we've talked about this before, Chris. It's not a murderer's row, but if they stay healthy, they can at least be okay as pass protectors. And in the run game, they're going to be pretty bad, but... Semile will help a lot because he's a really good run blocker as opposed to last year when they had Carpenter who is a terrible run blocker so maybe they get a little bit better than they were last year but yeah you'd like to see improvements unfortunately they're in a situation where the way that this draft class stacks up and with the number of picks and where those picks are I'm not sure that they're going to necessarily be in a position to make a major upgrade that would have any kind of impact year one but they could add somebody in the draft that could have a major impact after that and we'll see what some of these guys do maybe we get lucky and shell takes a step forward this year maybe assembly returns to his all pro form and the offensive line performs above where we expect but i wouldn't expect miracles is really where i'm going with this as far as the offensive line and i think that the guys that are there now are more than likely going to be the guys that are starting on opening day
2: yeah i i'll say this it it depends mostly on if they're able to trade back or not if if they trade if you tell me that they're going to trade back even if you don't give me details you just tell me that they are going to trade out of that number three spot then i'm going to tell you that the chances of them drafting at least one offensive lineman that can crack the starting lineup go up a lot you know whether that's bradbury or McCoy in the second Or, you know, it's a John Taylor, you know, or Jonah Williams around, you know, in the teams, the the odds go up a lot that you'll get somebody who can, they can plug and play right off the bat. Um, You know, if, if they don't, I fully, if they don't trade down, I fully expect them to still try to draft some linemen, you know, in the third, I I would expect them to go after a center, uh, something along those lines, but obviously there's no way to know who's going to be there in the center it doesn't seem like McCoy's going to be available there so who would they get um you know so if they stay at three and they pick at three I would expect them to dress still draft offensive linemen still look to training cuts to pick up offensive linemen but I can't sit here and look and point at it and say yeah, they'll definitely have someone who can go ahead and be an upgrade and start from day one, over what they're ready to try it out now. But if they do trade back without even giving me any other information, then the odds of them being able to the odds of them drafting someone that can start on the offensive line right from the jump will go up a lot. And then I could I expect them put put more most of the focus what they need at least immediate is on the inside there. So. If they trade down, I expect that to go up a lot. But uh, Jets fans have to be ready. They have to be prepared to roll with that starting five that you listed of Shell, Winters, Harris, Harrison, Ossemley, and Beachum. You have to be ready to roll to roll with that. Just like you have to be ready to roll with Daryl Roberts and Trumaine Johnson as the outside corners.
3: Final question comes in from Luna Sternberger. She says. With Ty Montgomery signing with the Jets, do you think that that precludes them from picking a running back? If not, who do you see them possibly picking in the draft if the right opportunity presents itself? I don't think it means that they definitely won't pick a running back. I think it makes it much less likely, certainly much less likely to pick one in the third round. But I do think if somebody they really like falls, it's possible. Maybe a guy like a Devin Singletary. Maybe even a guy like Benny Snell, who my buddy Jeff Lloyd loves from Kentucky. In fact, it'd be kind of interesting if they picked Josh Allen in the first round and then it got Benny Snell in the third or fourth. Bring some Kentucky teammates in here. So I think it could be done, especially since you're going to be looking for a long-term guy there. But I do think that bringing in Ty Montgomery eases the burden a little bit. And now they know they have somebody that they can rely on for 8 to 10 touches a game to take the pressure off of Le'Veon Bell so that they don't run him into the ground before the end of the season.
2: No, no double-dipping on the Montgomerys, not going to, to throw David Montgomery into the mix and go ahead and sign Ty Montgomery <laughs> in the offseason and draft David Montgomery later on. Um, David Montgomery is you know running back out of Iowa State. I absolutely love him, love watching him run the ball. I think he's going to be really good. It's funny because I was thinking about this uh, during the week earlier before they signed Ty Montgomery. And if you follow me for a couple of years, you you've probably noticed this trend with me is as, as you know, looking in the draft. There's always a handful of running backs that I fall absolutely in love with every year. There's a a, a bunch of them, and uh, David Montgomery is one of them. Singletary is one of them. Um, uh, Miles Saunders, the Penn State kid, is one of them. Um, there's there's a bunch of them I really like. I was thinking about this though a week ago, I'm like yeah. You know, you just signed Le'Veon Bell, got a three-year deal. Do you want to go ahead and and, and spend a draft pick on a David Montgomery where you're basically hoping that he's only going to get five to eight touches a game for the next couple of years? Or can you just wait? You know, I'm not obviously not waiting until Le'Veon Bell's contract is up, but maybe next year you start the clock on that or, or you wait two years to really go after that, you know, more of a top second, third round uh, level player top running back there. Because to to draft a David Montgomery and then just have him sit behind Le'Veon Bell for two to three years seems counterproductive. Um, so, you know, I'd probably look to address the offensive line more because they got uh, Le'Veon Bell now. But if they go ahead and they draft David Montgomery, uh, Devin Singleton, or uh, the kids from Penn State, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to knock it because those are really good players. And as we've talked all offseason, that talent. But they that's where I'd be looking more to. Even if you feel that you have the Jets feel they have the offensive line as solid and good. Go ahead and add some more depth there. We've talked about this in the past, too, with McCagnin has stayed away from drafting a lot of offensive linemen. You need to stock that, that line with them. So I'd be looking along those lines more, and that's, that hurts me. It's hard for me to, to say because every year I fall in love with all these running backs. And the Jets <laughs> never pick any of the guys I fall in love with either. Um, so uh, it, it hurts me to say this, but I, I think that's probably the route I'd be taking now.
3: They say falling in love is hard to do unless you're Chris Nimbley and you're talking about running backs.
2: Yeah, well, we're talking about running backs or draft prospects in general, I fall in love super easy when, we come to, when it comes to draft prospects. When it comes to, like, you know, real-life people, yeah, it takes a lot to get, uh, it takes a lot to get uh, emotions and stuff out of me. Um, I, I, it takes a lot to get me to fall in love with uh, draft prospects. Man, I'm a pushover. I am easy.
3: Listen, of course, it's hard for you to fall in love with somebody in real life because you're a very big deal. So you need somebody that's on that very big deal level, and very few people measure up.
2: That's that's exactly it. That you just figured it out right there. It's not a lot can measure up to the very big deal there. So it, it's a lot. I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah, not going to cut it.
3: Listen, you associate yourself with a very big deal long enough, and you start to pick up on some of life's realities.
2: There you go. Yeah, I like it. That's that's you know that's nice good feelings you know, being a bit, very big deal and so that it just rubs off on people yeah everybody knows it. yeah it's, it's good you know
3: it's a good feeling as well to have the weekend here and the weekend mailbag which we have now concluded Chris so thank you for coming on as always really appreciate it for those that don't know where to find you on social media or read your very big deal work why don't you go ahead and let them know
2: yeah you can find me at CNimbly on Twitter instagram you can find uh it will work at jets com. and i was thinking about this when i was talking about the uh draft value chart maybe i'll uh post an article because I, I was going through and i'm like i can't sit here and toss out numbers this and that on a podcast it's not going to work out that well but maybe i'll uh, throw up a quick article on on the draft value chart listing out what the draft gets uh picks are valued and then you know look at the Giants, the Bengals and Washington, look at those teams and see what they could do. What type of realistic package fans could hope for. Again, I don't think there's just no Andrew, uh you know Robert Griffin's uh Sam Darnold's in this draft that people are gonna really be killing each other to fight for. So I don't think you can get into that first round pick, but lay out some possible uh packages that you know could be realistic that's think what you're looking for.
3: Go ahead and visit Chris at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.
4: I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
4: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
3: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
4: In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.